Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast with Aaron McManus and Erwin McManus. Today we have a really interesting subject. Well, I we, think we've been trying to get to it, but we have. But we decided we ended up asking, we ended up answering two questions from the emails that we got. From and those were guys. great questions. Great questions. So I think we should just keep doing that. I mean, you've been recommending that for a while. I know we should do it. We're going to do it more. So maybe we'll start dropping some Battle Buddy podcasts, just answering some of the questions people are sending in throughout the week. Throughout the week. Okay. Surprises. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast with Aaron and Erwin McManus. And if you're listening or watching today on YouTube, Spotify, or iTunes, wherever you're listening from, do us a favor, go to iTunes, rate and review the podcast, share it with your friends. We're so grateful that you do it. We love the reviews. I read them. I'm grateful. One of my favorite ones is, it says it's a leadership podcast. <laughs> if you're looking for three steps, you will not find it. Um, but this is just a place where we get to have a conversation. Um, you're my dad. Mm-hmm. I'm your son. Let's take a moment and thank all of our sponsors. All of our sponsors. Well, that's um, right. We don't have any sponsors. We don't have any sponsors. But I guess that's, uh, I guess we're the sponsors. We're the sponsors. Okay. So today we're going to talk about. Is it the end of the world? Is it the end of the world? <laughs> I mean, my brother. End times. Sends me. Revelation. This article that in Denver, it was 101 degrees. Yes. And then within two days, it dropped to 37 degrees with snow. A 60. Degree drop. And that is normal. It feels apocalyptic. Is that normal? Brian, you're from, is that normal? You're from, it's normal? It's, everyone's like, this is the most Colorado weather ever. But 60 degree drop. It's pretty historic. It's pretty insane. Okay, okay. It it just, it just feels apocalyptic in the context of the time we're living. It does feel apocalyptic. And it, and it does feel, because it, not only was it hot, but it's, really really hot in la right now right and so you you, like, you had like this I, you sent me a screenshot from the little town that we grew up in like around la because la is broken up between all of these like right. little suburbs suburb city suburb kind of thing so in whittier in whittier which i i don't claim whittier 115 degrees whittier i claim you if you're listening we love you if you're in whittier right now get out <laughs> run it's too hot 115 degrees go to denver it's super cold there right now <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it just feels apocalyptic. It does. And then two nights ago, I went outside in the middle of the night, maybe two o'clock in the morning, and there was a blood red moon. And I was driving to the airport the same, that same, the next day, and it was a blood red moon. So you have blood red moons, you have degrees of Isn't, 60 degree drop in Denver. You have this global <laughs> pandemic. I'm not laughing at the pandemic. I'm laughing... I'm laughing at something else that's going on in my head. You have global quarantines taking yes. place. Uh, California, we're having uh, blackouts. All across this, the, the county. Which, which is, is so insane because for seven, oh, for seven months. Is it happening all over the state? All over the state. Los Angeles? I, I think all over the state. Wow. But, and, but, no, it is. It is. You're right. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, wait a minute. Businesses have been closed for seven months. Okay. The world has been shut down for seven months. Okay. Where has all the electricity gone? I t- probably people playing Call of Duty while watching sports and running their laundry. And then the we have time. we have some of the worst wildfires. California is being destroyed by wildfires. What? Fact check us, but it was in the hundreds, right? The, there was hundreds of wildfires over the last like. I don't have many, but but Kim told me that they're out of control. It was the worst in our history, and like and I was flying up north, 
And as we were flying, we opened the window and you just see this layer of, of brown. And it's not quite brown. It's like this, this <laughs> thickness. And it, and it, you know, LA, there's a lot of fog. It's like a morning th fog thing that happens throughout the entire spring and winter. But no, no, no. The marine layer is not that. It's like it is brown. It is terrifying, actually. And it's not just smog. It's like all of the fires being trapped underneath like the cloud layer. And it is horrifying and then the to oceans, watch. I, I don't remember what that dynamic was with oh, the oceans. That article you sent me. And where the, the coastline is receding. And they're also luminescent at night. Where they're bioluminescent. Like, yeah, they're like fluorescent or whatever, you know? Yes, and, yeah. So you have all, and, and, and then there are people, I'm not going to know specifics, but like we know people who have invested near like $30,000 on apocalyptic um, supplies, right? For yeah. the end of the world. Like end time supplies, end time supply kits. Right. And, and then there, your mom, I'm going to call her your mom, Kim, and as opposed to my wife, Kim, your mom, Kim, yeah. is enthralled by watching all of these lunatics on television. She's always like, look at this. In fact, I think that Brooke is also enthralled by the same lunatics and, yes. and who are selling like end time kits. Yes. So, so the, the, these are Christians. I, I, I say that broadly, okay? And, but yeah and and i'm looking going okay how do you how can you not see these are crooks but they're like selling all these end time kits so you can have enough rice and beans for the next hundred years Twenty thirty five. So what are you gonna do with all that stuff and and it seems to me that there's this apocalyptic tone now i remember with y2k in the year 2000 okay. all these christians thought the world was coming to an end yes i don't know if if atheists thought the world was coming to an end and I'd love to get some feedback from atheists right now, from agnostics right now. And if you're a Muslim right, or yeah, Buddhist, yeah. I'd love to know if you are also influenced by this apocalyptic sense uh, that the end of the world is looming over us. It is a thing. It is a thing people believe. They believe the blood moon. That's like a whole thing. The people preach on the blood moon in churches. That is some <laughs> twilight revelation weird 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 stuff all right i i i mean i didn't grow up in church so i didn't grow up in 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 faith what's it like see because i grew up in this <laughs> harry potter world of witchcraft and wizardry and and sometimes when i'm explaining this to friends who aren't like they don't go to church mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily believe in jesus they're open all right they are so freaked out Right. By some of the stuff that's said that they find, they'll send me on the internet. Yeah, but what's crazy to me is when I became a follower of Jesus, I I didn't know I was going to end up in a lifetime conversation about the end of the world. It, it seems like Christians are fixated on the end of the world. Fixated. But but here's the, the news. Tell me the news. Even people who don't believe in God and don't believe in Jesus and do not believe in the Bible yes. are still fixated okay. on this apocalyptic narrative. You have a list for us. Oh, my goodness. And i got to do a little bit of research, I mean, too. I, I just started popping up. I, I just did a little quick search on uh, Siri going, um, give me some movies about the apocalypse. And Siri went crazy because she was overloaded. But here, I'm going to name a few. The Book of Eli, Mad Max Fury Book Road. Book of Eli was Denzel Washington, right? Yes, it was. Mm, yeah. Love him. And Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, we have uh, World War too. Z. Tom Hardy. We have I Am Brad Legend. Pitt. Will Smith. 
uh, Terminator Salvation. There's a lot of people who've played Terminator now. Is that Christian Bale? No, no, no. Well, he played one of, he okay, did, he yeah, was yeah. One of them, but he wasn't yeah. the Terminator. Um, and then also Avengers, uh, Infinity Wars, uh, Thanos. Can you get more apocalyptic than he Thanos? Took, he took everybody out. Which is also the Greek word for death. And that's, so that's this, this theme has been a part of our species since the beginning. Uh, I'm not even done. Resident Evil, the final chapter. I mean, can you get more final than the final chapter, right? The whole Divergence series is apocalyptic. Yes. Oblivion is apocalyptic. Okay. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. All the Planet of the all Apes are apocalyptic. Lost in space. No, that's not apocalyptic. No. They're you, just lost. No, but our most <laughs> but favorite. Our, yeah, yeah, It's not a film. It's a TV show. Oh, my goodness. So many TV shows, like 4,400 and... Uh, uh, they're just an endless number of TV shows that have been about the end times. Uh, a new, uh, a remake of the, the War of the Worlds with Gabriel Byrne and Elizabeth McGovern. Great, really, great really series. Good, really good. Uh, a remake, but, it, but it, it's still apocalyptic. And our new favorite, maybe your favorite TV show of all time. I'm calling it now. I, I really am calling it that I think it will be maybe one of the, the 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 biggest shows it's ever been because we love Ridley Scott we love Ridley Scott and he didn't he also do uh, Prometheus did do Prometheus yeah he did do Prometheus which is apocalyptic of course he did do Prometheus sorry right, i was just right. thinking about yeah someone else uh yes should we tell them what it's called did we watch that in london with our friend reese i think we did and we this is was it just us three there might have been a fourth we were terrified grown men terrified broad daylight in london i wasn't afraid I you just, were i just wanted the light you on. jump can we talk about this you <laughs> jump so high i have a vivid imagination i i i live inside it's, the story you do like it doesn't matter where we are we could be on a plane i've been on planes with you where you're a few rows in the front of me because you tend to put me in a different cabin <laughs> And and you will. I'll see you jump, and I'll kind of laugh. Be like, "That's what you get for putting me back Some here." Some of the but, worst things. But have, I've been watching movies on planes, and I scream. You scream. The whole thing. The whole thing. The whole thing. I'm sorry. I just got bad news. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So our new favorite show. My new favorite show. Oh, I love the title "Raised by Wolves." Wait, hold on. It's saying. Oh. <laughs> is it by Ridley Scott? I, I, oh, it is from Ridley Scott. Okay, so maybe he executive produced it or something. Raised by wolves. Raised by wolves, which doesn't actually fully match, except for this one moment with Travis Fimmel, Amanda Collin, and Abu Dakar Salim. I butchered his name. Yeah, but the guy from Vikings is Travis Radgar, Oof. and uh, he's one of my favorite actors. That's another series we're into. But anyway, Raised by Wolves, apocalyptic. In apocalyptic. fact, so much very so. Very dystopian, very apocalyptic. And it's, it has a religious premise. Right. And, and it's also, it's inescapable that it is the story of? Noah. That's right. Because they escape Earth on? An ark. I mean, could it be any more obvious than that? No. And the world came to an end in a war between? Pretty much. Would, I, I think they were called the monastics. No, yes. no. They're called some interesting name. I, I, the show is pretty new, and there's like all of the sci-fi mm -hmm. lingo. It's actually not that sci-fi in comparison to a few other shows that we've gotten into, but pretty much the Catholics and the atheists. That's, it, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. No, they, they call themselves the atheists. Yeah. Yeah, the atheists were clear. Yeah. 
the other ones, it's like some sci-fi name, and I've been looking on the internet. But and they take communion like Catholics, and yeah, yeah, and they take communion. They have the monastic and the priests, and it's they're they're religious zealots. Yes, and so you have a war between atheists and theists. They all destroy the Earth. An ark takes the remnant to another planet mm. without giving you any um, reveals that would hurt your viewing experience. Because, yeah, it's in the trailer. Because the point of this is it's apocalyptic I don't, it's nature, and you realize Noah is apocalyptic because it was the end of the earth and the beginning of a new earth. Yes. It's so crazy. So why is what? it that human beings are so drawn? Because I don't think it's just Christians. Well, I think that huh. I, I think everyone has this this undertone of the world is going to come to an end. Yes. One, I don't know if people who watch this or listen to this watch the things that we watch because we're pretty fringy when it comes to like pretty early adopters on the the film side or the TV show side, and then music and F1 racing. And I get so <laughs> many emails from people being like, "I'm not really that into basketball, but talk about it a lot." We do. With that said, this show, this conversation about the I, I, they're called the Mithraics. The Mithraics, but they're essentially the 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 the, the, the Catholics, the monotheistic mm -hmm. tribe, and the atheists. Right, they're such powerful sub narratives. It's powerful. I mean, I, it, it, rarely do I watch a show where I think I wish I had written this. And I'm just grateful it exists. But yeah. I do think it's an interesting conversation because you brought this up. It's yeah. not just people who believe in in, in Jesus mm -hmm. in America who are so fo but it's not just America, it's Europe, it's South America, it's Australia, right. so focused on the end times. Right. And But it, what is that about us as humans that we are so focused about what happens after we die? Why are we so afraid of that? Well, it's not even what happens after we die, it's will we cease to exist Do you think as that a species? As it goes even beyond personal. And, and I think it's interesting because a huge part of the conversation is Will the AI that we create one day destroy us? And and I look at it when I'm, when I look at certain themes throughout modern history, it's almost always an alien invasion. Like aliens from another planet are going to come and destroy us. Do you feel though that the narrative has changed? Uh, well, ironically, Steven Spielberg changed that narrative with ET. Uh, he he flipped. The narrative upside down and said no 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 the aliens are not evil they're not bad guys they're good guys they're 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 like like stuffed animals <laughs> they're they're something you could take home to play with your kids they're et and, yes. and arrivals is another movie arrivals yeah kind of yeah yes and so so we've we have worked from this narrative of there's something out there and it's going to destroy us one day mm. And, and I think it's the way we see other human beings. It is our xenophobic view of reality that everyone who's different than us is evil. Everyone who's different than us is dangerous. Everyone who's different than us needs to be stopped. And it's the historic uh, U.S. versus Russia. It's, uh, it's U.S. versus China. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's democracy versus communism. It's, it's, it's always this xenophobic narrative of life that the person we don't know cannot be trusted and spielberg actually came and said no the outsider is the good guy we need to make sure that we're not the bad guys and and i think that's an important narrative now with this also um, apocalyptic narrative and when you look at 
like Terminator. Like a lot of these stories are, we need to be able to go back in time to make this right. In other words, um, we're doing it wrong. But if we could see where the end game is, we would do it differently. And so there's a, almost like a statement of we're living like fools. If we could actually have the wisdom of seeing the end game, we could, we could make the world better. Do you think the narrative has changed in the last 20 years because of this idea of global warming that was so rejected by a huge part of humanity and so accepted by a huge part, one being like the film industry in which we like are surrounded right. by. Do you think it's, 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 there's a huge, like I asked you this when we watched the show Raised by Wolves, mm -hmm. is Ridley Scott prophetic in a way because this is something that I could see happening in our world, especially just the self-destruction right. and the self-destruction by destroying other re religions and re destroying people that the xenophobia that you've talked about that, mm -hmm. that we can't accept other people because we can't understand them and we have no interest in understanding them. So we never get to a place where we accept them. No, I, I think you're right. And actually when you said it, it was almost with a sense of, I think Ridley Scott is unconsciously prophetic. You, 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 yeah. that's the way you said it to me. I said, I don't know if he, what he believes in, but I was like, this is such a, a look into the future and also a, a reflection back on us. Yeah, it's, it's really, really powerful and profound and, and it, it, you have to let it settle in. Um, maybe our fear of the end of the world is rooted in the fact that we're the causes of the end of the world. And when I asked you about the narrative change, I feel like the narrative changed from pre-Spielberg to Spielberg to now where humans are the destroyers of our earth, mm -hmm. where it's less about the aliens coming to destroy us and us leaving this planet because we've destroyed right. it. So let me just, I don't know, be mildly antagonistic for a moment. Okay. All right. So, um, I mean, there are people who, genuinely do not believe that we have any effect on climate change. And then there are people who... I would love for them to walk outside in Los Angeles yeah, right now. I know. Just breathe in the But smoke. then there are others who are really zealous saying climate change is our moral, our moral responsibility. In fact, in this, it's like 100 years ago, being immoral was having sex outside of marriage. Uh, now being immoral is... Um, using plastic. Like it, it, the, the whole narrative of morality has changed dramatically. And, and so climate change and environmental responsibility has become one of the most um, heated moral conversations. I'm someone who is probably a late adopter to that belief system going, because it felt, I, I always kind of you don't like being manipulated. I don't like by, being manipulated. By hysteria. By, by, hysteria. by hysteria or by politics or right. by popular belief. I truly want to figure things out on my own. And I need to learn a bit more about how to, how to receive information better. But I did feel like when, you know, an Al Gore came out with an Inconvenient Truth, it was just very politicized. It felt very much an agendaed movie. It was also very inconvenient. Very inconvenient. <laughs> true, but... but oh, yeah, and truth. <laughs> but it was very truthful. And yeah. then, but realizing that like... But I guess the hypocritical things were like he was flying on a private jet all over the world, causing more carbon. Right. <laughs> is it leaving more of a carbon footprint than ninety percent of ninety nine percent of humanity? So it felt a bit hypocritical of like what they were trying to do. But 
looking back, looking at it now, I'm going, I would love to drive an electric car. I would love to live in a completely like solar paneled driven house. Right. I would love. So you flipped completely. Yes. Like I, I, that's okay. I, We're, like, we we agree to disagree. I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, I have to like claim that I drink water out of a Nalgene bottle versus plastic now. And before this, cause I figured out you could like customize it with a little yeah. logo, which is kind of cool. <laughs> uh, before this, I would just use a glass like bottle, like right. a one liter glass bottle, mm -hmm. but that became kind of sketchy because I would drop it and it would shatter. And, and there's so much conflict, even when people would say things like, if we don't change this, the world will come down in 10 years. I mean, the language was so exacerbated that it, it lost credibility. At the same time, when you look at, um, like, let's say the way they talk about how all the oceans are going to um, destroy all the coastal lines, but all the banks are willing to spend billions and trillions of dollars on the real estate that are supposed to be in jeopardy. So I'm going, right. wait a minute. The banking systems do not believe the world is coming to an end if you look at what they invest in. So even though they may say they do, um, money says they don't believe it's coming to an end. And, and these are pretty educated, powerful people. Now, but that's not even my point. I'm going to say I 100% I believe in climate change. I 100% believe that um, not all of it's in our control, but the part that is within our control, we should take responsibility for. But why do we care? Like if there is nothing transcendent about human beings, why should it matter to us that one day the planet isn't going to be able to inhabit life? I mean, why are we committed to life a thousand years from now? What is it about us human beings that feel that we need to sustain our existence? I think some is legacy. I think some are so have so much empathy that they care for the future of humanity, even though they don't know them. But is it our need for transcendence to believe that our species exists beyond our own lifetime? What do you mean that the need for transcendence that we must live on in our memories Somehow. and our, yeah, right. yes. Yeah, because we, as long as humans exist, we live in the to communal be memory no of one, humanity. No one wants to be forgotten. Right. Right. So somehow we're afraid to not exist and the, the annihilation, the extinction of humanity. See, what I would say is, well, this planet will be, may become uninhabitable to humans, but new species will emerge that this planet will be perfect for. This is interesting, though, because this is a conversation that, that we have had offline and mm -hmm. this has happened before to our Earth. Right. Why, why are we fighting for us? No, if, if we were to yeah. take, if we were to take, not God out of it, but but, but remove yeah. it from like the primary faith conversation, just mm -hmm. go like, let's look at what science believes and what we're taught. Right. Like I went to public school for a few years and for a few years of my journey. And so it's like what they teach you. It's like, mm -hmm. there was an, the Big Bang, whether it's an ice age, whether it's the flooding, mm -hmm. there's been multiple occurrences on this earth right. where life has come to an end. Right. You look at the Bible and then you know it's true. Right. From, from, a, from a faith space, you can right. go, okay, well, it's never happened. Like, no, literally God saw that people weren't good and he brought rains and it, it flooded. Flooded the earth. The only thing is to survive were ocean animals. And if you're listening <laughs> to this, you're going, well, see, God is <laughs> vengeant. Or, but, but here's the crazy thing about it, though, is that we see species move toward extinction all the time. We know that there are species that once walked this earth that do not walk this earth anymore. Um, the Leviathan. Yeah, so why do we, why, why, I guess I, I'm asking an ethical question outside of something transcendent of our existential existence. Uh, why should we care whether humans exist in 100 years? I hate to be so ruthless. I don't think it's so much about why, do, <laughs> I, I, why should we care? 
I think it's why do we care? That's more the question. Okay. I don't think it's why should we care? We should. We should, we should always care about leaving things better than when we got here. Right, but I don't know. Like, I, I guess this is like part of my brain is always reserved for my atheism, and I don't okay. know why we should care. I don't know why it matters. I don't know. But okay, this is the question: What is it about Here's us humans that drive us to do, care? Do you care? <laughs> I do care. So then, so then you can't ask it from your your atheistic part of your but brain, I, but because I, there, that is, and you've taught me this, that is. That is God whispering in the back of your head, going, "There, there is something right." Out there. And maybe there is the reason why you care to not be forgotten is because daily life becomes so unimportant. Right. And if that's you're the not frustration. building something that lasts forever or for some time to influence or affect or leave a trail history that brings goodness to society to some or degree for someone else, yeah, for somebody else. So it's why we create generational wealth. It's are why you saying we, we don't have an atheist part of our brain? I'm saying that if there is no God, what is the point? We wouldn't be having this conversation, right? That, that somehow, even when we're atheists, our brains are still marked by the fingerprint of God because we, we start caring about things we shouldn't care about if we were truly atheists. And that's where you really need to watch the first episode of the show because it's, it's I, I don't know where it's back going. Back to Raised by Wolves. <laughs> and who, yeah, back to Raised by Wolves. I don't know where it's going, so I, don't, I can't like advocate for it. But one thing I do enjoy, it's on HBO. And ironically, it's a pretty mild, like it's not a ton of violence. There's a little bit of violence, but there's like no sex. There's like not even that bad of language. It's pretty like PG-13. I don't know. I had this conversation with someone on, on our email. I just want to address it real quick. A lot of people are splattered. I just want to let you yeah, know. Yeah, there's a lot of people splattered. There's, there's some violence. Someone emailed and they were like, why can't Christians have better content? And I was like, oh, I thought this was about, you know, you saying you like that already. Because um, we are we, are, we believe in Jesus and, and we I think we create good content. But she was really talking about like movies. Why do we create the cheesiest right. Christian films? And opposed to like creating great content. And I was like, well, look at The Passion of the Christ because it was rated R. And it was tell. originally rated X because of the violence. Yes, and they had to break. They had to. They had to. They had to Pull add. They had to add the um the, the flashback, flashback yeah. scenes to like relieve people of its of its brutality. Yeah, yeah. It, so violent and bloody. And so I just I listed a few moments in the Bible where David dances, King David dances naked and unashamed. That would not work. It wouldn't work on film. <laughs> Maybe it would. It'd be weird. Um, or just like how many wives? Because she brought up the, the story of like David and Goliath. Why can't that be cool? Why can't that be epic? And I was like, amazing. But not only does he kill Goliath, he chops his head off, right? Mm -hmm. Or is that just my imagination? No, he, that, he, he does. Yeah. yeah, he chops mm -hmm. his head off. And then after that, mm -hmm. yeah. so much more happens in the life of David that is so dark and destructive. And, not, and then you're like, this is a man after God's own heart. Because years ago I did a devotion on that battle, and I called it "How Not to Lose Your Head." How not to lose your head. <laughs> okay. Um, Sorry. Side so note. so you've, you, we talk. We we have to be willing to go there if we're going to create the greatest content, right? And I think we read the Bible, and I think a lot of people read the the Sunday school children's version of the Bible versus the actual like r-rated x-rated version of the holy scripture let's put that in the same context okay. so now we bring it here to this conversation about the end of the world the end so is it the end of the world i don't know well, mariah um my little sister sent me a text yesterday you said and she asked me she goes is this the end of the world and i responded more or less if it is i want to make sure i go to cancun one more time <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Tulum. Yeah, go one more time. The Tulum. And, I want to go to Tulum what, one though, more time. You know, I did kind of use it as a pickup line though the other day. I did. Oh, I was. No, I was. No, no, our this producer. Is back to our... And I could see Austin and Brian laughing. Back right to here. our battle ready on dating. But, all right, go ahead. It, no, but it is. I, I think I can. I said, and I, this is where I brought it up. Like I don't know if it's a date. Like what? Even if it's not, like I'm. I'm I want to be friends. Like she's super cool. But I. I did say. Um, I was like, you, I asked a question. Like oh, I, I'll like. You know, I'm not, I'm going to deflect. No, no, you're trying not to tell us. No, no, I am. I'm giving you like the build up. I'm giving you the okay, build up. I asked on. a question and she's like, oh, I'm going to deflect. And I was like, no, no you got you to say what you're thinking. And she's like, oh, well, you know. And I was like, what? I was like, hey, look. The, it's so in other words, she wasn't saying yes. Is what you're really saying is that what she I'm was saying not saying What I'm saying is that yes. I pivoted into an ask. <laughs> I took what I learned and I pivoted to an ask. And I basically said, you know, hey, if, the, if it's the end of the world, what can hurt? Well, let's go to dinner. <laughs> And it worked. <laughs> but so it took the end of the world for it her worked. to say yes. It did. I was like, hey, the blood moon's out. It's the end of the world. Revelation 9. It was, I don't know. I don't even know what Revelation 9 is. It's probably great. Um, all I'm saying is, what if it is? Yeah, I think this, I, one of the reasons I think this is an important conversation is that since my journey as um, a follower of Jesus, we've come to the end of the world several times. And, you know, George Orwell, you know, hit us in 1984. So that was a secular view of the end of the world in the new world. 1984? 84. Great book. And then 1999 was the end of the world because computers didn't know how to go to 2000. And then uh, 9-11 became the end of the world. And I think, and ironically, and, I think that was one of the days that brought the world together. Yeah. And and so we, we, we've had kind of end of the world moments. And then this global pandemic has begun to feel like the end of the world. And... Um, and Christians are inclined toward the end of the world thinking. And I think some of it is because... But not just Christians. Yeah, right. I'm just working on categories right now. Okay. And, um, and, and in fact, it's almost like a feeling of disappointment if there's not going to be an end of the world. Like we've been waiting for the end of the world for 2,000 years. And, and because we keep misreading Jesus. It's almost like Jesus said the world is ending soon. And, you know, how many thousands of years do you need before you go, oh, maybe we misunderstood what he meant by that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, here we go. This is, uh, here we go. Maybe the book of stop Revelation doesn't mean what we've been told it means because we've had 2,000 years of case study to know that it doesn't mean what we thought it meant. But, and, 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 and by saying that, you have to maybe include when Jesus said, I'm going to return. Yes. I, see, I believe Jesus is going to return. Uh, but I also think Jesus is already here. I think he did return and that he lives within us. This is a, this, this so. is a, this is a sidestep. <laughs> I remember you, but I do think that there's like in that realm, in that group of things that maybe we've misunderstood. One of the, some of the feedback I get continuously is like there are people are just grateful for asking questions. Yeah. And, and, and we know more than anyone that, that, um, you can get burned at the stake for some of the questions that we ask. Yeah, not even just for the answers, just for the questions we, you ask. We don't even really answer them all the time. I definitely don't. <laughs> and you want me to, but I don't. <laughs> but, I do, but I do think, you know, two things that, that why in Revelation does it say, why, why do the disciples immediate, okay, let me set this up right. I'm trying to, I want to get No, you're right. Yeah, I think you're on the right why, track. Why do the disciples immediately believe that Jesus will come back as this king on a white horse when... Jesus comes in when the first time the Pharisees were dis 
just were, were completely turned upside down their belief of what God would return as. At, right, his son comes, rides in on a donkey. He's a son of a stonemason or a carpenter. He's not the king on the white horse to reclaim David, King David's throne. Mm-hmm. But immediately after Jesus dies, they return to the Pharisees' thinking. The disciples do. Yeah, you they asked, almost turned into the Pharisees in a way. You asked me this question years ago. You said, is it possible that they were wrong the first time and we're wrong the second time. Yes. They expected Jesus come on a white horse to conquer. And that's and it. And we never changed our minds. Like Jesus was not able to change our minds about how he rules as a king. Because I, and I think I, yeah, it, I asked that because we, there's so many songs with King Jesus in there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I was like, I don't know if he, if, if Jesus ever wanted to be portrayed as king. He certainly didn't put a lot of emphasis while he walked this earth. Right. He seemed to be servant Jesus. Yeah. You know, and um, so, but, but back to this. I, I, I am going to make it really personal, and maybe I'll be a little more transparent than I was expecting to be. Um, I've made mistakes in my life where I felt so overwhelmed that I stopped and thought to myself, I just wish I, I just wish I would die. And, um, cause I thought I can't fix all this. So dying would just fix it. Like it would just release me from all the problems. And, um, and I imagine, you know, you've had moments like that and, and many of our listeners maybe have had moments like that. I wonder if our view of end time is more that that silent desperation where we just feel like we can't make this world what we want it to be. So let's just let's just let it end, so that maybe we can get a, a new, a fresh start. And I, I do believe in a new heaven and a new earth. I just think that new heaven and new earth has already come and it is born within us. It's being unlocked and unleashed into human history. We just see everything linear. And we think there's history than eternity. And I think that Jesus integrated history and eternity and that it's one timeline. I think you got to explain what you just said. Well, I just think it's important to note that the first thing the disciples asked Jesus after the resurrection is, Lord, when are you going to establish your kingdom on earth? And Jesus says, the times are not for you to know. So it seems like we're far more interested in the chronology of God's activity and uh, then we are really of the process of God's activity. It, it seems like we are always those little kids asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there are yet? We there oh, yet? that's good. Uh, and, and maybe what Jesus was trying to tell us is we're already there. We just can't see it. And so I'm going to be apocalyptic in this sense. I'm going to go down fighting, creating the new heaven and the new earth. I'm going to go down fighting, creating a, a, a new and better humanity. I'm not going to wait for the end of time for the beginning of the future. Like, I think we feel like this book has to end before the next book starts. And I'm going, no, Jesus started the new book. And we can, we can be in this new story, not in the old story. Because it, and, and we need to realize that this apocalyptic narrative isn't just for 
Christians, that it's 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 actually inside of all of us. It's 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 inside of Wrigley Scott. It's 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 yeah. it's inside of Quentin Tarantino. It's inside of every filmmaker, every storyteller. That there um, that there there is an ultimate epic battle, and the question is, do we survive it? And um, I, I think people are afraid right now. I think a lot of people are afraid because they're watching the end of what they know. And we didn't even need aliens to come. <laughs> we, we didn't need AI to take over. Um, we're, we've, in a sense, we've ruined the story that we're in and we're terrified we cannot write a new story. And we wonder if the only hope for us is the end of everything. So there might be the beginning of a new thing. And what I'm saying is that we can begin the new thing before the old thing ends. And that um, is it the end of the world? The answer is yes, because we don't want the old world to continue. It's the beginning of the new world. We have such a hard time letting go of the things that are so comfortable and familiar to us. How, how are some ways that we can do a better job, I think, in this time and place in life, time and place in history where we can process this a bit better. Because I think, you know, you can listen to us and I always, whenever we go on those long tangents, I always (laughs) wonder, there's some guy who's going, these guys are the antichrist or these guys are (laughs) the, 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 the heretical. And I, no, no, like, no, no, because we're not, but also to, this is a podcast about thinking and how to think and, and exploring ideas. And really heresy is, is a, by definition, a new way of thinking. A new way of thinking. And, and I, I remember one time I was having a conversation with Brian Houston and, um, <laughs> and he was um, sharing with me about how, how he's grown to appreciate Mosaic and, and, and me and our message. And, I, and, and, and in a light way, talking about how, once I was so perceived as a heretic and now I'm seen as a, as a friend. And, you know, and I said, well, you know, yesterday's heresy is today's orthodoxy. Wow. And then he looked at me and goes, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) He's so real. He's so real. And he's the best. Obviously not all of yesterday's heresies are tomorrow's orthodoxy, but the truth is that there's so much that once was heresy. And whether we thought that the the sun rotated around the earth, or that the earth was flat, or yeah. or that we thought that you know uh, bloodletting was the way to cure all diseases, yeah, there's so many things that once um, that was uh, orthodoxy. Now we know it's just superstition. There were things that were once were heresy that now we know are orthodoxy. And I think the main thing is, and I, I hope this for battle ready, that we're just not afraid to ask the questions, and we should explore the validity of opposing positions, even to our own nervousness, our own uncomfortableness. And one of my friends told me, I listened to the podcast and you always make me nervous of where you're going. And I think it's interesting because I've had that said to me by friends on both sides, like he would be far left. Okay. And whenever we say something that affirms something on the right, he gets really nervous. Oh no, is, is he going there? Is he becoming that? He goes, then somehow you flip upside down and bring it back. And then I have friends on my on the right going, you make me really nervous because like you're you're not you're not like holding you're not planting the flag 
on our strongly held beliefs and truths. And, it must and, be how we're edited. You know, <laughs> and he goes, then somehow you, you, you find this place to take us. And, and here's the thing for me. One, the reason I wanted to have this conversation, usually you bring up the topics. But, but you brought this, topic but I brought up. this topic. You is did. it, is it the end of the world? One, because Mariah sent me that text and I, was, it, it was so, and it, I think it was in the group text. Yeah. Did, and, she, did she send you one? Before? No, I think it was group text. Yeah. yeah, I was, yeah. I, it was, and she, Mariah has a way of asking things with like absolute confidence, satire and nervousness. Yes. <laughs> right. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I thought Mariah is a really thoughtful, intelligent person who also is highly um, connected to the social cultural conversation. I thought, wow, she's asking that question. A lot of people asking that question. So if you're out there and you're afraid, do not spend 25, 30, $35,000 on your apocalyptic survival kit. Don't build a bunker. Don't build a bunker. Because first of all, if the world's coming to an end, you, you've just wasted all that because <laughs> you're never going to get to use it. All right. And secondly, um, if the world's coming to an end, you and I will not know what day that is. Every day you wait for the world to come to an end is a day that you already wasted. So your world has already come to an end if you're living by fear. So you need to live every day as if the world's going to be here another thousand years. I'm reminded of a quote you've used in your books before and in your messages, but also a movie that's really dear to my heart, Gattaca. <laughs> Gattaca. Another apocalyptic tale. Ethan Hawke. Yeah. And Jude Law. Right. Early, early Ethan Hawke, Jude Law, mm -hmm. where he, they swim in the ocean. Yep. And I'm not going to tell you all of it. You need to watch this movie, but another dystopian future. Right. And he asks him, how, how do you always beat me? Because they would mm -hmm. swim as far yeah. as they could into the ocean. And he says, I don't save anything for the way back. Yeah. And that is, if there's anything that sums up the way you live your life and the way you believe others should live their lives, and you're very understanding of people incapable of living their lives like that. I say I'm incapable of living my life like that <laughs> so many times. But you just genuinely believe that people have it in them to leave it all on the table. Yeah. And, and don't save anything for the way back. That's, I love that. And I love the, the word dystopian that you used. <laughs> and, uh, um, and maybe this is where... I feel I'm standing alone a lot of times. I do not believe in the dystopian future. Hmm. And I believe in a beautiful future. And I think that people, I find the overwhelming narrative for people who are more atheistic is a dystopian future. And then ironically, I find the overwhelming narrative for people who are Christians and theists is a dystopian future. <laughs> I, so they end up agreeing that the world is going to fall apart, that we're going to destroy everything. Yeah. Atheists and theists are agree, have agreed on the future of humanity. Yes. They just haven't figured out how to rebuild it. Right. And so I'm going, wait a minute. Have we just surrendered ourselves to a dystopian future? Have we just accepted that the world's going to end, but now let's write stories about how it will end? Right. <laughs> and, uh, Predicting the future. In a hu yeah, yeah. I, it's very interesting. And... Um, I'm asking us to get battle ready and to fight for hope. Hmm. I think we need to fight for hope. We need to fight for goodness. We need to fight for the betterment of humanity. I think that wherever humans are, there will be both darkness and light. Always. I think when we make huge generalized statements, blanket statements of description, whether it's 
all Christians are this way or, mm -hmm. you know, I love the quote that Gandhi used. I would have been a Christian, but I met too many of them. I think that was Gandhi. If it were not for Christians, yeah. Yeah, and I always find that interesting because I'm like, you, you meet really great people and really horrible people in every religion. Yeah. In every place. They're human and they bring both sides of the struggle Mm -hmm. you know the darkness and the light the goodness and the evil and 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 i think i think the future we have to understand that when we look through through things with the lens because you talked about xenophobia about how mm -hmm. we alienate that which we don't understand I, I i also do believe that we have to understand that if the future if we don't become more open to how we build the future we will never build one that is aware of itself mm-hmm and that I think is the premise of the show, but also maybe the premise of the topic of the future. If if we don't stop the fighting and the conflict and the destruction and the economic, continual economic strive for the most money and the most things and the most X, Y, Z, we will never understand, I think, the true purpose of why we exist. And sometimes I often wonder, when, when we did the stimulus plan, whoever did it, we did it in America. A bunch of the countries did it. I was like, oh, money's, money's not real because we just printed a bunch of it. <laughs> but, we've, but we all know that there's value to, to money and, and it, it makes things easier, makes things harder, makes things more complicated. It makes things better at times. But I often wonder what, what would happen if we just paused and actually truly reset and said, okay, we know gas cars make the earth hotter. Why don't we change the way we, we know wars kill people. So why don't we stop them? Why don't we lay not just our guns down, but some of our ideals and our ideologies, ideologies. and go, okay, I, I can't explain it. And maybe we drastically disappear, but how do we, how do we come to a place of, 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 of unity across all cultures, across all understanding where something that is different than us, we don't, we don't, I think this is the difference in the sci-fi movies and eras, of, we don't dissect the alien and trap it like Independence Day, right? Mm -hmm. Where we genuinely ask people questions and differences, and different cultures questions and go, okay, can we understand this? Can we even come to love it, even though it's so different than us? I think we need to pause and realize that uh, the aliens we keep fearing from other planets are actually the darkness that exists within us. Yeah. We are the difference. Yeah, we're not being invaded. Uh, mm -hmm. we, um, we are seeing the reflection of our own inner world. And, you know, this quarantine was a pause. Hmm. And we see nature responding to that pause. It's almost as if nature was allowed to take a deep breath. And in our yard, we have so many insects and we have so many birds and we have so many butterflies and there's so many hummingbirds and the flowers have been thriving. And, and it's, it's as if nature just took a deep breath and said, thank you for, uh, for this reprieve. And then they sent a bunch of spiders to bite us all. Yeah. And, but at the same time, I hear a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, this quarantine is a great time to pause your own life. Maybe this is God like getting you to stop and listen. Well, if this has been a pause what people have heard in the pause has not been good because people are really struggling with depression. They're really struggling with loneliness. They're really struggling with suicide. They're really anxiety. struggling with anxiety mental health. and mental health and self-worth. And this is, and then we're going to have a generation that's going to be grappling with the symptoms of P PTSD. PTSD. And, 
And the reason for that is because if you pause and what's inside of you is turmoil, you just get swallowed by the turmoil. And the reason we keep having these apocalyptic themes is we keep looking at humanity. You see, we thought technology, we thought science would make us better. We thought technology would make humanity better. We thought AI would end like uh, hard labor and create a, a, a more kind, compassionate humanity. And the reality is we can't invent ourselves out of our human nature. There is no technology that changes the human heart. There, there is no AI that will ever be better than the human spirit. And so if we don't deal with the darkness in the human heart, then we should expect our AI to eventually become dark. If we don't change the essence of the human spirit, if we don't be, uh, replace hate with love and bitterness with forgiveness and despair with hope, then all of our technology will be informed by the darkest part of who we are. The problem is not the world we're creating. The problem is the world within us that's creating it. The end of the world needs to happen within all of us. Is it the end of the world? Let it be the end of the world that's destructive within you. Let it be the end of the world that is driven by hate or envy or greed or lust. Let it be the end of that world. Let's all decide to let this be the beginning of the new world. And there is nothing to add to that. I think that's the end. Mm. I wanted to say something about Raised by Wolves. This is a good... Yo, say it then. This no. Is it. No, say it. I'm going to give a shout out. Who are you going to shout out? I want to thank Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. And everyone who created this series. Amazing. For creating a provocative, thoughtful, disturbing, illuminating conversation about the battle between faith and doubt, about the future that we can create. And I do feel like it is an apocalyptic, prophetic narrative that exists within all of us. What choices will we make today to change the future we're creating for tomorrow? This is so good. Hey. Okay, it's over. Love you, buddy. Love you, too.